Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. So we have been talking a lot about the Airbnb bubble crashing, popping on this channel. And we've talked about it in terms of the real estate market, but I think there's a lot more to it than just real estate. Let's get right over to this article and you'll see what I'm referring to. This is from Curbed. I guess this is maybe a, a part of the New York Magazine or something like that. But uh, if you didn't watch my video last week, we talked about how there are these new regulations in New York and popping up all over the United States, which effectively ban Airbnb. It, it makes it so hard for people to utilize the service and do short-term rentals that people are like, this. you might as well just ban it completely. So last week in this video that we discussed with Airbnb specifically, we talked about how this is happening, not just in these blue states, also in Texas. They're doing the exact same thing in Dallas. I heard they're doing something similar in uh, Austin, as an example, which makes Airbnb just, it's, it, it's a, a non-starter. Like you just can't do it. So we looked at that in terms of how this impacts real estate, where if you have all these people that are now forced to sell because they can no longer afford their mortgage payment, because the only way that they could is with a short-term rental. If they rented it out long-term, then that rent would not cover their mortgage, or they'd at least have negative cash flow. And how that would impact maybe the, the small float of houses that are actually for sale. And if there's pricing pressure there, then that, because of comps, and because the prices are set at the margin for the entire home stock in the United States, how that could put downward pressure on prices. And again, not saying that this nominal prices are going to crash with real estate. And if you guys follow a lot of my videos, you'll know that I always say the real estate market doesn't crash. It just slowly grinds down. And when you adjust for inflation, like when we topped out in 2006, we didn't reach a bottom until 2012, six years. So when I talk about the real estate market crashing, I'm not talking about it going down by 50% in a month or two, like the stock market can. I'm talking about it going down by 50% in real terms when you adjust for inflation over the span of the next five years. And it may come down in nominal terms, but I always reference it in terms of inflation adjusted prices. But let's look at how this Airbnb crash can impact the overall economy in ways that don't necessarily pertain to real estate. I actually did a little homework here believe it or not. <laughs> Usually I don't read these articles at all. It's just completely on the fly. But this one, I went and highlighted some specific points. So the uh, it's, it talks about how Airbnb hosts are feeling abandoned by Airbnb, but that's, I think, irrelevant. Uh, what we want to focus on are some of the points that are made by these Airbnb owners when they're arguing to uh, Airbnb itself, or to the city as to why this ban or this regulation is going to economically ruin them. Look at this first highlight here. A decade of unfettered growth had made hosting some something between a lucrative side hustle and a full-time job for thousands of people in the city, not thousands of people across the United States, but just in New York City. So I think we can safely assume that that means millions of people across the United States. But they say life as hosts, as hosts knew it, is coming to an end September 5th. And one person specifically said, I am petrified. That's a quote from them. Now moving on to the next 
highlighted portion. In a marathon seven-hour public meeting in January, hundreds of them slammed the Office of Special Enforcement for abandoning working-class New Yorkers who would struggle to pay their mortgage without the cash infusion Airbnb brought in. So, you know, one of the things that I have personally tried to think through and really hasn't made sense to me is how we can have all this additional purchasing power and additional aggregate demand in the United States, at least over the last, call it six months. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's really a head scratcher. You can look at the revenue side with the stimmies. You can look at the expense side with not having to pay rent and student loans and all these things. But still, you, you look around you and you're like, well, the restaurants are still full. There's still a long line at Louis Vuitton. <laughs> The airlines are still packed. You know, the, the, I, I get the whole pent up demand and I get all of the millennials and the, the Gen Z's that are out there anger traveling. What, what They got a name for that, Josh. What is it? It's not it's like revenge travel. That's what it's called. They're out there revenge traveling. And I understand all that. But still, the average American, it seems like they've got more purchasing power than the, the economic indicators would lead you to believe. Right. And I think this is one of the, the ways they've been able to make ends meet here are these side hustles. Hey, guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with macroeconomics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Uber's different because you don't make much money in Uber. But with Airbnb, you would make a substantial amount of money that, to these people's point, allowed them to make ends meet. Right, it's it's not just super rich people out there that are putting their uh, you know five million dollar mansion on Airbnb. It's people, it's working class Americans that are out there trying, that are struggling. They're trying to figure out how they can buy groceries when the price of groceries has gone up by fifty percent, if not more. They're trying to figure out how they can afford their kids' college tuition, how they can afford healthcare, how they can afford their car payment how they themselves can put a roof over their head. And a lot of them have, for better or worse, especially since 2020, have turned to Airbnb in order to achieve this objective. So if you have all of these cities now coming up and saying, okay, we're basically banning Airbnb, along with the fact that if you go into a recession, their occupancies will most likely plummet. Uh, therefore, it puts them in a similar position. You have all these headwinds is the bottom line for these Airbnb people that have used this just to put food on the table. So when this goes away, forget the real estate market, forget the ramification on home prices. How does this impact quite literally millions 
of Americans that are using this to pay the bills. Let's get on to the next highlighted bit here. This person says, my assets are bound up in my house. I have very little cash flow. A host wrote in the city's public comment forum, being able to occasionally Airbnb my home has enabled me to make my mortgage payments. In public, hosts uh, describe Airbnb as a form of public assistance, as in welfare, meaning if they didn't have this, they're, they themselves may be homeless, or they say it's a godsend second gig. So what they're doing now in order to, because they're stuck with this property. So they're like, okay, do I unload it and take a loss or do I unload it? And, you know, who knows what's going through their head, but one of the things they're turning to as far as a solution is saying, okay, well, if I can't Airbnb it, I'll just do a six month lease or I'll do a one year lease. But what they're realizing is, oh, wait a minute. I can only get half as much rent <laughs> or I can't get near as much rent. So what are they doing is they're dropping their prices 20 to 30% to render a monthly stay affordable. And I would argue they're most likely going to have to drop their rent a lot more than that. Because when you look at the economics of Airbnb, one of the problems they have is they can't compete with hotels from a standpoint of economy of scale. And so initially Airbnb was this place to get super cheap places because people weren't uh, you know, they're renting out an extra room in their house or, you know, it didn't have a lot of costs associated with it. But now the way Airbnb is used, there are a lot of costs that are associated with someone staying in your house for two days. And then another person staying in your house for two days and two days and two days, you got to clean the sheets. You got all this maintenance. You've got all the, you have to hire a full-time maid. You've got all these things where a hotel can spread. They can amortize that cost of one maid, as an example, over 10 doors, where the Airbnb host can't do that. So you say, well, the consumer picks up the tab because Airbnb charges them a cleaning fee. Okay, but that makes them less competitive from a price standpoint than all these hotels that are going after Airbnb for obvious reasons, as far as going after their market share. Here's another highlighted bit. In one suit, three New York City hosts argued the regulation would financially ruin them and force them to take drastic action to make ends meet, including moving out of their home and returning to work from retirement. So again, guys, this is thousands of people in New York. This is millions of people across the United States. Maybe this is a big reason why we're seeing the labor force participation rate go up. And keep in mind, guys, this is at a time where when you listen to the mainstream media, the economy is booming. It's an incredibly tight labor market. Unemployment at almost historic lows. What's not to like? But yet we have all these problems that, in my opinion, are making the labor force participation rate go up as a result of all these things. And technically, we're not even in a recession yet. So my point is, how if, if it's this bad now, what does it look like when you're actually in a recession a recession that's bad enough for the media to actually admit. And these people just finally say, we're going to have to figure out something else. Some people are saying they're going to have to leave New York. So if they have to leave New York, what do they have to do to their Airbnb? They have to sell it. And if they have to sell it, that means more supply coming online. That means likely lower nominal prices. And that means since everything's based on comps, the overall prices for other properties that are not being sold go down as well. That's equity. How does that impact the overall economy? These are all variables. It, this is why macroeconomics, it, it, it's like a, 
you know, a, a game of four or five D chess, there's so many moving parts and you've got to consider all this stuff. If you want to understand the probabilities of the United States as a whole going into a recession, moving into 2024. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. We'll see you in the next video.